This is Driven by Data, the podcast. Welcome back to another season of Driven by Data, the podcast. Powered by Orbition Group and hosted by me, Kyle Winterbottom. We are delighted to bring you season four of Driven by Data, the podcast. And our aim remains exactly the same, to bring you some of the most respected and recognized thought leadership figures from the world of data analytics to share their knowledge, ideas, use cases, and insights across how they've tackled some of the industry's most trending topics and challenges. All that's left to say is sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Welcome to Driven by Data, the podcast, season four. Today, I'm delighted to be rejoined by Naresh Raja, who is now the Group Chief Data Officer at Danska Bank. So, Naresh, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me, Carl. Great to be back. Yeah, um, I think it was early in season three, which seems like an absolute lifetime ago now. And I think, Naresh, actually, on our internal charts, you're still in the top three to five of the most listened to episode ever. I don't know if you know oh, that or not. I so, didn't know that, Carl. That, that's yeah. great news. And I don't know whether we compete with the Netflix, you know, the, the <laughs> but if we do with the, the that, that, that's always good, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so, th- yeah, thanks for coming back on the, the show, Naresh. I guess for anyone that didn't listen to uh, the first episode, obviously, first of all, go back and listen to that because obviously it was very interesting. We talked... Uh, I guess a very holistic conversation, but very much around ESG and the impact of that, right? Well, you were in your former role. Um, but for anybody that didn't listen, just give them a brief introduction into you and your background and I guess your journey up until this point in time, if you would. Sure. Um, my background is I'm now the Chief Group Chief Data Officer at Danske Bank, or, or backwards. Um, previous to that, I was at Grant Thornton as a, as a manager director, kind of really leading some of the work as you articulate on ESG and data and uh, so on. And then ex-Barclays, Lloyds, and some of the big four. Um, Danske Bank, it might be helpful for uh, your listeners to know, is one of the top banks in the Nordics. Um, and it has presence you know, in terms of uh, Norway, Sweden, Denmark, Finland, etc. But also has positions in Northern Ireland, you know, in terms of big presence in Northern Ireland. Um, and it has a really big ambition. Um, to be really a, a, glo- a great bank in terms of providing services to customers, both business customers, personal customers, and large corporates. Nice. So obviously you've not been at Danske Bank too long. Um, just give us a bit of a snapshot of, I guess, the, the, the lay of the land, so to speak. You know, where, where are they at, in your opinion, from a data analytics perspective when you arrived? What was the reason for them bringing you in? You know, what was the catalyst that now is the right time to do this, I guess? Sure. So, uh, I mean, we have the, the the executive leadership team or the ELT, uh, Exco of Danske Bank is very forward thinking, you know, from uh, Carsten, who's the CEO, and, and Franz Walders, who's the CEO, who's my boss, who hired me. Um, but the key part of what uh, Danske Bank are all about is they have, uh, we have a great ambition in terms of what we call Forward 28, which is a five-year strategy of how we become a digitally orientated, sustainable, Custom-orientated organization. 
And, and that five-year strategy has really been well received by the shareholders and, and the board. So it's a really ambitious ambitious view. Now, part of that, the reason I was hired is to really help Danske Bank become a data-driven organization and achieve those ambitions to be a digital orientated, sustainable organization. And I, that's the key part, and I'm sure we'll go into the components. But my involvement and, and uh, my interest and excitement of joining Danske Bank is really to lead one of the largest data transformation in Europe uh, in, in financial services, which is what really attracted me to the role. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Very, very interesting. I guess from a maturity standpoint then i guess just to to set the scene where where, uh, where dankska at when you you join you know i presume obviously every fs business is i guess inadvertently a lot more mature than other sectors right so i i, I presume it wasn't a complete clean slate um sure. just give us a snapshot of, of that yeah i mean the the way i would articulate it is um for those in financial service and banking they would have heard of uh, bcbs 239 as a as a set of regulations post the financial crisis now where Danske Bank is a regulated entity, regulated by the uh, Danish FSA, Financial Service Authority, but also obviously the European uh, Union regulators. And therefore, as a bank, it has stringent controls around data and, and the needs to do that. So in terms of maturity from a defense standpoint, I always talk about, I think it's in a good place uh, from a regulatory standpoint, AML, financial uh, crime, fraud, et cetera, and, and risk. Where we really want to increase our maturity, and that is one part of my big role, is that the transformation is how do we actually achieve our commercial ambitions using data? And there's where the big leap in maturity is going to have to come. Mm, interesting. Okay. Yeah, makes uh, makes sense. Obviously, I mean, these large-scale transformation programs are, are, as you said, often very attractive, very exciting, uh, probably very high pressure, quite intense, um, et cetera, et cetera. I guess what, what, what's the measure of success here then? And I, I don't need, obviously not specifics, but I guess, you know, how, how do you know that the data component here is helping the business to head in the right direction towards that, you know, overall transformation? Sure. So one of the first things I did is, is really construct what we call data-driven Danske. So um, DDD or data-driven Danske is our ambition for how do we make Danske, a uh, data-driven organization. And what's been interesting is, well, if we look at the measures of success, um, really looking at it from a customer, shareholders, society at large, including regulator standpoint, you know, and also our internal employees, those are the four components. And there's a really nice visual that we've pulled together to, to, to articulate that both internally, but also to our investors and partners. So the four, if we really boil it down to the four kind of key measures that what does success look like? One is in advising our clients and customers, both personal customers, high net worth, business customers and large corporates, how do we empower our customers to have data-driven advice? So we offer them the right products at the right time. Um, also in terms of customer service, um, they, have a, they don't have a lapse in that service. So advisory-based uh, customer service and products and uh, working with customers. That's the big components. Can we really demonstrate that? Um, link to customer journeys and life events. The second part is really around our shareholders and uh, the markets at large is, do they see that the investment from 428 has proven value? And there's huge investment uh, that's been put in for that, uh, from Danske Bank's 428 strategy, but also data 
strategy, data-driven density strategy. So the, the outcome of cost efficiency, growth, revenue, all those financial indicators, as well as uh, the movements, that's going to be a second key indicator. You know, can we see that in three, four, five years' time? Third indicator, when I say society, I think there are two, two or three parts. One, you know, Danske has a real ambition of serving um, the, the people in, in the Nordics um, and beyond in terms of being a sustainable organization, but also socially and ethically very viable. So this one is really more, you know, from an ESG standpoint, can we really be a sustainable organization in terms of lending ourselves um, and providing viewpoints and uh, well governed? The other part, obviously, is around our data ethics and our AI ethics, how we use AI, how we use data, and are we responsible in terms of customer data and the data that we have? And then the, the final part of that uh, is also our regulators, that we have the license. We continue to have the license to operate in the right way. The fourth part, um, if we think about it, is, as I said, our employees, is how do we make our employees data-driven and so they can get access to the latest tools, the latest insights, and we are running at data academies, et cetera, so that they are they become more data literate to be able to do their jobs. But they also do it with good quality data uh, and, and more efficiency and less uh, issue and challenge. Mm, yeah. I think the, the notion of a data academy and using that as a great kind of resource to, I guess, generate excitement and I, I guess ultimately strive for better utilization and adoption of data and insights across the organization is a, a real fascinating area of growth for our industry more holistically. So it's good to see that. I know we're going to touch upon what it takes to build a a, a great DNA team um, later. So I'll, I'll leave that there for now, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. So I guess obviously you've got then a four to five year when, when you joined, you know, multi-billion investment uh, transformation was there anything that instigated that? This is what I, always fascinates me to kind of try and figure out, you know, at some point in time for every organization, they they think now is the time to do this. I think every organization, holistically speaking, knows that there's a load of value in data that can help them be better at what they do, mm-hmm. period. Um, but I'm always fascinated by almost what's the instigator of that point to go, now is the time. I don't know if you can shed any light on on that. Yeah, I mean, some of that is publicly available, um, so I can share. Um, it, fundamentally, the bank has had historical issues with financial crime issues in terms of uh, legacy and some of the incidents in terms of really the causes of some of the some of the challenges and issues of the bank. Um, now, those have been resolved with the regulators. Those have been resolved really clearly. And once those have been resolved, the bank looked forward and said, for, as a bank, as an institution with so much presence, so much customer loyalty and customer presence are we really doing the best for for our customers and clients and are we punching um, above our weight are we really being the top institution as a nordic uh, bank that we need to be and also are we looking forward so we're not a a bank in the here and now but we're also thinking about the next 10 15 years with the advent of new technologies and data and those were the real instigators um, from our ceo and, and elt and board to say we need to look forward to be a a real uh, organization which is focused on digital technology and data. Mm. Um, and that then obviously resulted in the investments. I was fortunate to join in April and have contributed to the data strategy for part of that, which which is what we call data-driven data. But that's the, if we get to the number of the, what was the instigator, that was the instigator in terms of looking forward. Mm, interesting. Yeah, very good. Um, so obviously you've got then two 
I guess two strategies or two two things in play. The 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 four twenty eight supported by data driven Danska, right? How how do you get those things to work cohesively? Sure. So if I take one step back, then the consistency of message is important for our team as a data landscape. There are three parts. One is um, data-driven Danska, and that's aligned to 428 strategy, and I'll double-click on that. The second is we have we want to make a real presence in terms of our data protection, privacy, and data management foundations. So we get the foundations right for good data protection, privacy, and data management. The third one is how do we build a world-class um, organization, data analytics organization, which is sustainable. So we call that journey to world-class. So those are the three ambitions for data analytics, data from Danske, data protection, data management, and journey to world-class. If we double-click on the first bit you asked around 428, so what's really good about the, what's the way that the strategy has been formulated is um, the 428 strategy is a business strategy. Um, now that empowered by data digital um, technology. So when we define this strategy, and we'll, we'll talk about that, is data-driven Danske is how do we achieve the benefits and business case of 428 at a business level, whether it's large corporates, business customers, personal customers. It is not based on data and analytics sitting in a, in a dark room and saying, we want to build all this fancy stuff. And that is why I think the partnership between the businesses and the chief data office is so important. So it's a strategy that's co-owned by the organization, not just developed by the CDO. Yeah, that's really interesting. So I guess just to for to enlighten the listeners, are you, um, in terms of the, the chief data office, is that a central function that you're building that sits alone and then pushes out into the business? Like what's the, what's the structure and the, the model? Sure. So the chief data officer, it's been instant, it's been reconstructed since April and, and relaunched in August. So we're fra- fairly, uh, uh, as I call it, an infant in the organization. But it has eight capabilities that we are building. Um, so those eight capabilities are really around our data strategy and innovation, our data transformation, our data management and governance, um, our data platforms and engineering, uh, data analytics and data science. Um, our data programs uh, that needs to be in place, and then our kind of business management and kind of support and, and those types of areas and data architecture. Those are the, I hope I've counted eight and not left any of those capabilities. <laughs> so those are the capabilities we're building. Um, and, and those are, that's a centralized team, a group chief bedroom, but it has what we call two, we have two different models. One is with our local data offices. So with each business, we have a local data office, the local data officer. They work hand in hand with our data management governance. And then our analytics is we have a federated analytics elements. One sits with us in the center in terms of data analytics, data science, but we have pockets in risk and commercial and, and other areas. And there again, there needs to be lots of cooperation and co- collaboration to make that successful. Uh, so that's the way we are creating that operating model of we want to be business focused and therefore ha- how close to the business, however close to the business we can be, it's important. The this cheap data office really sets the standards, the execution model and the approach, but we want the use cases and the benefits and the uh, business understanding to sit closer to the business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, makes perfect sense. So I guess what you've got there with Dansker, obviously, I mean, proofs in the pudding, right? If you ask me to name another nordic bank i could probably name one maybe two but danska is always the one that you know shines i don't know it just feels 
just feels bigger. I don't know if that is even true or not. It just feels bigger. Um, but I guess Can I just how- say one thing on that, Carly, if I may? And yeah. I think uh, well, maybe I missed the introductions is if we're in the UK, your UK is, I don't know, you're global now, you know, but in terms of the UK listeners, the way that people think about John Lewis and um, Waitrose in the UK, I would call that akin to what people in Denmark feel about Dance Bank. It is an institution, good or bad. Yeah. And so when something happens, which is good, it's in the news. When something is bad, it's front page. Um, so that is how, how, so that's why I think Dance yeah. Bank is quite, famous in terms of the way it is in the nordics and certainly in denmark mm, yeah like a very much a, a heritage brand right yeah makes makes absolute sense so i guess how do you go then from taking what is an organ you know appears to be a very traditional large legacy institution into this kind of forward thinking data-driven more digital type of of operation like where do you, where do you even start with that yeah, I wish, Carl, I had all the answers. I was going to say, <laughs> this is the model by which we're going to do this. And we've done it before. Here's the, the, the short answer is actually, actually really difficult. And uh, being perfectly honest, I think every CDO in every organization really, and, and a financial services one, which which really battles both the defense and offense, right, in equal measure. It's not just one or the other. It's got to balance both and you've got to do both. Um, I think with legacy data, legacy technology acquisitions, the, he- the the legacy that is there, but also the cause for change um, that needs to be in place and the skills which are needed to be able to to approach the new world in terms of AI, Gen AI, and all of the data modeling that's you know changed and data pipelines. So I would say that it, it is a significant challenge. I think there are two or three things that I am keeping true to. <laughs> One is we, we have a data strategy, which is around data-driven dance care, and that is very well thought out and articulated. And it's then been co-developed and co-shared with a lot of our ELT members. Are, and there's a lot of support with our ELT and board in terms of that strategy. Now, that's super important. The second, which we need to do more and more and continue to do, is how do we engage and communicate with the multiple contributors to that strategy and do that in the, in the right place? And the third thing is delivery. And um, the outcomes of actually how do we get some business case benefits out from this from the data analytics journey? Uh, how do we do that quickly, relatively quickly, with quick wins is important because faith and trust only goes so far if there is no delivery. So though, and sorry, the fourth one is obviously around literacy. So there are three, there are four. The fourth is obviously around data literacy and also the data academy we talked about is how do we infuse and engage everybody from shop floor on the in the branches all the way through to the different areas which use data. And those are the four things that I think in various ways we are trying to do to be able to say, look, we, we are making that change. And, and we know the future and the future is here. Uh, so how do we actually make sure we take the organization with us to that future? Mm, yeah, absolutely. How have you gone about identifying the priority of where to start? Because I guess this is something that on this podcast, in our day job, at our events, etc., that it's always towing the line right between getting the getting the balance right of quick wins in quotation marks, but also making sure it's heading in the right direction of the overall strategy and not quick wins for quick wins' sake. We know that a huge challenge for data leaders right now is achieving budget access and C-suite sponsorship. But why is that? Might you ask? 
Well, in our experience, it's because they generally don't understand what data should be delivering or know what good looks like inside or outside the organization. If this is on your radar today, visit www.dl-academy.com where you can sign up for a free data literacy consultation and we'll help you arrange an eye-opening, trust-building executive workshop which will help you unlock those key doors for 2024. Totally. So, so the the way that we've constructed this is what what uh, one of my colleagues um, in in risk called layer cake, and I liked it, so I've now adopted it. Which is so it's a layer cake model of when we define the strategy, it was use case driven, and then it has the, at the core of it data products, um, data platform data foundations, which is really around data management architecture, and then data analytics capability, right? So those are the five layers of the of the layer cake of data-driven data Those five layers are based on the fact, to your question, in terms of use case and quick wins, is to actually progress the organization towards benefits. But at the core, what we're building in, if we take those use cases, we're starting with four use cases with our large corporates, our personal customers, our business customers, of our group risk. But its core is we're building data products which are both enabler data products and benefit data product, outcome data products. At the platform, we're on our journey to the cloud and we want to engage enlarge our, um, our big data capabilities. And our foundation, we want to really get, get good quality data, good data architecture aligned to as much as possible um, advanced data management data and the data analysis capability we talked about, literacy and academy. So those five initiatives um, are, the, are, the, are fundamental over the next two to three years. What we're doing is in terms of prioritizing those use cases is what we call our transition state one, is to say our transition state one is we will build platform capability, foundations, et cetera, to prove those three, four use cases in transition state one. All of that is in the next, uh, and we would then build on those transition states towards that common goal of data driven dance where we, when we get to the end point, we not only have use cases, but we have a sustainable end-to-end of data products in a data marketplace. We have then those linked to business case or units. We then have a data platform, which is cloud-enabled and fully stocked with all the data later capabilities with one of the big cloud vendors. We then have a data foundation with fully curated data elements and data quality and data controls and an end-to-end architecture. And we have then data analytics capability with an innovation lab, a data academy, all the things we want to do in terms of value of data. So I hope that answers that question as best as I can is we start with those transition states. The end goal is really clear, but we move the needle based on a transition which delivers use case and value. Then the next needle is actually more value, but it's always towards building that, uh, building the kind of Lego for platform, foundation, capabilities, products, use case. Mm. So it feels very much like scalability and reusability are a big component of that. Because we we see this all the time, right? You know, things get built to demonstrate quick wins and add value, and it's built in in a silo that's never used ever again. And there's work being duplicated all over the place, right? I think from a central point, that looks like you're trying to how do we build something that we can build on top of and continue to scale and grow and make sure that all of these are reusable across various business functions. Spot on. Spot on. That is exactly what we're trying to do. Now, I won't be um, naive to say we won't have twists and turns and 
challenges and changes, but I'm sure. But the vision right now is we, as we're starting to build it, is really that direction of travel with scalability. Uh, but we prove that we can do it with that scalability over over the periods of time. Yeah, makes makes perfect sense. Okay, one thing I wanted to touch upon, Naresh, you talked earlier about you know, um, especially in the sector that you're operating in, the you know, I guess traditional minded defensive type perception of what data is used for in that type of organization versus the offensive. Um, I guess how much is it has it helped from a an appetite perspective? Because you know, in many large legacy organizations, data, especially banking, right? And we talk about like, you know, the the CDO version one and whatever we're on now according to all the research houses. But obviously that role initially was very much geared around risk and compliance and managing data, you know, from a from a kind of risk perspective. I guess how much does the the appetite of the organization to want to drive a more offensive strategy kind of support the overall kind of goal? The appetite is huge. Uh, and I, and the appetite is huge. And that's probably the reason I'm here is the fact that the 428 ambitions really look at an offensive strategy around a commercial approach. So that I think is there. I think we have a very forward-thinking executive leadership team who really want to make this happen. Um, And then we have senior management and executives um, who report in the who really, you know, my peer group, who really want to make it happen and who really see the value of data, but also they see it fundamental to their business and their clients and customers. Uh, So I think that is definitely there in terms of how we do that. The, the challenge we ha- we will have and we're having is how do we prioritize those right, you know, the, the, the best use cases and benefits because there is so much requirements from the business for uh, who goes first, you know, which which one do we deliver in which business, business area. And to the point, the conversation we had earlier is we need to make sure the North Star of what we're delivering is there and we're not diverted by the latest fad uh, because the end outcome of those four things are, are, are fundamental. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, makes makes sense. I, I guess in terms of you know transforming legacy organisations, which is a transformation you're currently you know slap bang in the in in the midst of. Um, obviously, you talked there about a challenge being prioritising the right use case based on business fen- benefit, while still heading towards the the right north star. I guess what what other challenges are are you facing, or do you expect to face by going through that journey of transforming what is a, a large legacy business? So I think some of those challenges is, is the organization wants to change, but it is a legacy organization. Um, and it has traditions and ways of working and so on, which which takes a long time to change. Um, we and I and others have to be absolutely respectful of cultural norms and, and ways of working because what we're not saying is we want to change everything or the organ- we want to change certain aspects, which makes us more data-driven. But the ways of working, the the ethos, the values, the the meaning of what people want to do, that remains exactly the same. We need to add to that, not change it. So I think there's a balance both from people who want to, who are data-driven and, and uh, in the data analytics world who are very uh, logical mostly, but also we need to respect that. So I think that's one. The second, I think, always comes up is the war for talent. Because uh, it, do we have the right capability um, and the war for talent is how do we also motivate and educate and, and help people who are already in the organization and balance that with how do we inject um, certain individuals to those teams to 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 accelerate. I think that's always the that's also key. The third is um, I think execution is um is always 
it always has issues and challenges. It needs everybody, and this is kind of bored down, to actually be focused on the end goal. We will have twists and turns. We will have challenges. We will have failures. But we need to trust and believe in that. I think I feel that we have that trust and belief from the board and the executive leadership team. But that's always a challenge. If we don't deliver, um, and if we don't deliver on time and there are changes, it's how much do we make sure we deliver those quick wins so people understand this will get better. So for me, those are the three uh, big challenges that we have uh, at the moment. But then, and then the fourth one is obviously the unknown because uh, we live in an uncertain, unknown world. Anything can happen. It's how do we prepare ourselves for those uh, black swan, swan events that can happen, right? Which, which is the unknown. Mm, yeah. So I guess obviously you started to touch upon earlier about the you know the the data academy and you've talked about the appetite absolutely being there from the kind of executive leadership team and so on and so forth. I guess what's been the strategy between the whole top down bottom up debate? Yeah, I think uh, that's where the difficulty is, right? So so one of my colleagues, I think um, Sanjeevan. Uh, I will attribute this to you as a CEO of IT, IT, kind of call it the mass, messy middle in one of the one of the events. So <laughs> I'd say that's right. So I was catching up with Sanjay and said, yeah, messy middle it is. So I think there are two parts. I think it's how to, and this is not just for data driven dancer. It is also for the whole four twenty ambitions the bank has. Is when the rubber hits the road with the with middle management and also in how do we take people on a journey? And I think that is a constant challenge. Um, which we need to address. Which one, I think, there needs to be more patient from patience from us, and because because we live it and breathe it, and we've been executing, delivering the strategy, drawing up the strategy in workshops, we know it all, or we think we know it all in terms of what the strategy is. To be able to take the patience and time to to explain that and articulate and and take feedback, that takes time. But also, how do we take um, PowerPoint into to actual? discussions and use cases and real circumstances and real situations you know this is what a this is what a customer orientation looks like and this is what customer data looks like or this is what a, a dashboard looks like how to change it how do we look at the architecture that all requires also the data analytics team the chief data office to be actually more mindful of turning something that can be quite theoretical at a to something quite practical but also something so i think there's a lot there that we all have to do to be able to bring these things to real life, make it mean something. And I also think you know, the famous words, communicate, communicate, communicate. It's not, oh, we've done the communication, we've done. It's we've communicated once, now we need to engage, we need to take input, feedback, second side. Now that takes longer, but I think that length of time to get there with everybody on board and people understanding it is much more valuable than we go really fast, but we don't have enough people on the train. Mm, yeah absolutely what's um i guess is there a, a strategy slash mechanism in place for that whole kind of communication and taking the people on the journey piece we are developing an engagement and communication approach um and through various mechanisms so we did that we've completed the design of that and we uh, we're, we're hiring some people in that area and then now it's kind of roll out of what are the communication mechanisms? You know, what are the workshops we need to have? How do we need to engage? How do we use um, the you know internet and videos and interactive? So we are working all those things up to say, how do we make it as interactive 
as possible. And all we don't want is lots of presentations by PowerPoint or going through training and, and so on. It needs to be it needs to be real. So we're working that up. And I think in Q1 next year is how we launch all of those initiatives. But also we need to make sure we keep that going. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, as I said before, you know, the whole concept of the data academy to kind of, you know, um, I guess, attack the literacy or fluency piece, if you want to call it that, coupled with then the whole comms strategy and the different engagement approaches um, proves to often to be very critical. And I, I think anyone that, you know, we've had on this podcast who has been, you know, in an organisation where they've managed to really succeed um, all profess to that kind of communication strategy and having an actual strategy around it and not just, you know, because I, I think we, we talk about that, you know, we talk about communication very flippantly sometimes, like, you know, like the, oh, the message is important when you take people on that journey. It's like, yeah, it is. And it's important enough to probably need its own strategy of how you're going to get there. Right. Which is, uh, is, is, is fascinating. So talk to me then, obviously you, you've, you've gone in there, Naresh, um, you talked about the, you know, building the, the world-class data data analytics organization obviously you're doing that from relative scratch i guess in terms of this new centralized approach to talk us through you know what's going through your mind what are the key considerations what what are you thinking you're needing why are you thinking you're needing that etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah just, um uh, absolutely i think what just one thing on the academy before i forget to to just mention that is what we've started on what we call our cross-skilling initiative so one of the things we thought would be really good is how do we take, working, working with our HR department and also our large corporate organization is how do we take individuals who've been in services, uh, operations, and how and who really want to thrive in data and how do we actually give them a platform to be able to be trained into data analytics? Uh, when we took uh, a dozen individuals in our, one of our bases in Lithuania, and we, we've, we've started this cross-skilling initiative to, to move them through. So I think that is one way of, making data academy and so on practical where we can cross-skill and train individuals and then there's an offer of a role in a year's time for them to join data analytics and, and work that through right that's a tangible way of making that happen so just uh, just to mention that but to your question around yeah, how do we build this type of capability and, and team and what we're really trying to do is you know those eight functions and capabilities across data analytics is, is really be thoughtful around how do we bring in how do we promote with, from within the organization as much as possible? So because there is some talent that is definitely there. And how do we enthuse and give people that? And then how do we inject into some key positions some real heavyweights who can bring thought leadership and expertise? And then how do we partner that up to actually then build uh, sustainable teams through coaching and mentoring and, and bringing people on. And that is that is our approach um, to be able to build a sustainable organization uh, for data analytics. Mm, interesting, yeah. And I, I presume that sits across the, the eight pillars that you mentioned earlier. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, from everything from the data strategy and innovation all through the platform and analytics and data science and engineering, we are trying to do that across um, our main locations of uh, focus, which is Denmark, uh, Lithuania and India, those three locations where we have our hubs, um, and we want to hire people into those, but also we want to promote and progress people in those three. Mm, interesting, yeah. I, I guess we we're seeing, and it's a really good. I think it's a really good thing for the industry. We're starting to see a lot more um, kind of career changes, if you want to call them that, where businesses are looking at looking within and saying, right, who's got the appetite and the interest in data analytics? And as you very rightly said, they often come from more 
operational functions where they're probably used to having to use the data day to day and you know kind of inputting data and you know, and all that type of stuff into their into their roles which i think is i guess given the the war for talent as as you put it is um probably a, a very sensible thing to to do what what needs to go into that then because i guess there's probably some kind of again it's probably a communications thing right but there, there probably needs to be almost a a marketing piece behind that in terms of how do you go and attract a colleague from an operations team to to join you and why should they and all of that type of stuff sure sure i suppose the, the heart of it and we talk about communication strategies is having a talent strategy do we have the org structure and the capabilities of what we want uh, and be really clear these are the the towers the eight towers these are the leaders we want and the managers and then these are the teams we want to create the type of profiles and then just being very focused on that then the second step with that talent strategy is then to be really open around okay well within the organization, do we have cross-skilling opportunities uh, to actually attract people to that? And this is where I think the collaboration with our diversity and inclusion and HR teams are important to say, let us co-create this um, uh, this cross-skilling kind of environment. Um, that That's part one. The second part then is partnering with my peers in the uh, in the organization to say within our large corporates uh, operations area or our personal customers operations days, we're running this initiative, you know, would you like to co-sponsor? So the cross-skilling cross program was a, for the for our pilot, which I articulated, was a joint sponsorship between myself, the head of diversity inclusion, Austin, and then the third was Michelle, who was the head of the, uh, he's the CMO of the large corporates. So the three of us co-sponsored it. And that really was important because we had commitment from the large corporates CMO our operations, we had commitment from our diversity inclusion, and we had commitment from the CDO. And, and the three of us did that um, together to to make sure there was real take up from the organisation. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. Fine. So I, I guess obviously you've been there nine months now. Um, it'd be remiss of me not to ask you about Gen AI, um, given everything that's going on in the in the world. And I appreciate you talked about that you're in a place where you're getting the foundations right, but you know the the North Star is a, a very offensive, you know, commercialized data analytics strategy that supports the the bigger transformation. I guess what's the reality on the ground? Because you know, I guess what I see a lot of is many exec teams going, "Oh, Gen AI! Everyone's talking about Gen AI. Should we be doing Gen AI? What do we need to do to do Gen AI?" And and that can become a huge distraction, right? Pulling you away from that initial mission how do you as a cdo in that environment balance maybe between humoring them and maybe testing the water a little bit to actually you know without it pulling you away from what you need to be doing mm. so so I, I actually feel that we as a uh, as an industry have not done enough in predictive ai you know just normal ai never mind general AI. so so my focus uh and i was the uh, uh, financial times conference uh, the global banking conference and uh, uh, with the CD of, of Lloyds and myself and we talked about gen AI and AI and so on and, and my take there also um, is what I would articulate I think we've got a lot of room to run on predictive AI which is normal AI to say how do we make customer service better and how do we actually identify our customers our segmentation models our predictive models for a range of items so my focus is actually how do we use predictive AI to really power our benefits in our business cases for our personal customers, our large corporates of business customers. And I think if we can do some of that next year, which has tangible benefits, 
we can then look into the future around Gen AI and other components. But uh, I actually think it's first steps first. It's let's, let's use AI to actually provide some value and, and, and get some benefits in terms of financial and non-financial. Yeah, yeah, makes makes perfect sense. So um, I guess to, to round us off then, Naresh, obviously you've been there nine months. Um, I guess where, where where would you say that you're you're at on the journey? And I guess what does the next 12 to 24 months look like in terms of, you know, A, what's being delivered, outcomes, and I guess the size of your data analytics organization and, and, and everything in between? Sure. Um, I think I think we've done a huge amount in the last nine months since we arrived. We relaunched the organization. We created this data-driven dancing strategy, really shaped the data protection and data management initiative, and, and really started to, to bring people together. Next year is an important year, is those those five layers I, I mentioned in terms of our data-driven dancer. We would want to make significant progress on that. Um, and by the end of next year, I think we're really looking to launch and land some of those use cases, which on the 1st of Jan 2025, with real benefits being turned to the, the businesses. So next year is an important year. Whilst we, the three priorities I mentioned, I think next year is actually continuation of those three priorities, but also attracting the right talent, promoting the right talent, communication and engagement is going to be important. So how do we wrap? Now we have a strategy. Now we have an approach. Now we've started to build that leadership in the team. How do we really focus on engagement, communication, and collaboration? And then we are really focused, pins are focused on our deliveries and outcomes. How do we deliver? So at the end of next year, I really would like to see us make substantial progress for um, those four or five components of our data driven data strategy. And I think that would be a great success but also a good foundation for 2025, 26 and beyond. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I guess in terms of the, the size and scale of your data analytics organization and operation, because I'm just conscious that there's a lot going on for you here, right? This is a huge sure. transformation program. I'm just keen for the audience to get a, an understanding of what tackling something of that size and scale, what that sure. actually takes in terms of manpower, resource, all that stuff. So at the moment we are, are going to be in the back 250 mark in terms of individuals across our three locations um, and a little bit outside of those three locations. We will grow substantially, I would say, um, nearly 50, 60, 70% on that in the next 18 months to two years. Um, so it will grow quite significantly to be able to execute and deliver, but also have a sustainable organization. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Um, last question, I promise I'll let you go. That's right. Um, you talked there earlier about the ELT, there being a lot of appetite. Obviously, there seems to be quite a, a big buzz around Dansker at the minute on this, you know, wider transformation and and data-driven Dansker and, and so on and so forth. How do you manage expectations around, you know, what um, what can be done, how quickly? Because uh, I guess there's, you know, as many CDOs who have sat on this podcast will attest to, um, sometimes there is this misconception that it's, you know, almost like a, a light switch effect, right? You know, that da da, there's there's the value, and obviously we all know in reality it's it's very different. And um, yeah, I guess sometimes when the sure. appetite is so big, sure. I mean, I, I'll be honest. I think uh, I, I was with our with our executive leadership team earlier giving an update. Actually, there's today. Um, and there is a lot of expectation and, and uh, focus, right? So I think there's a couple of things which are important. One, I have great support from my boss, the CEO, uh, Franz Waters. So that is important. The second is we have good partnership with the CRO, the head of business for personal customers, large corporates and business customers, right? So the four ELT members, but definitely we are good. Or I have good kind of collaboration in terms of this is what we want to do. 
but also then with my peer group, the exact same in our organizations who own personal customers, business customer businesses. I think it's having continued conversation, engagement, partnering, and that is critical, right? So that we, we, we're doing this together in terms of execution. And they, everybody's kept updated and knows, knows what we're doing. Um, and that bit, I think we need to do con- consistently and continuously going forward. Um, the last bit, I think, you know, I've been in front of the board a few times is they are very, a very data savvy board and also know what they want, uh, which is great. But I think also they see the, our strategy, they buy into the approach and strategy. So we have the time to be able to execute. But I think that timeline is the end of next year. We need to, we need to show you know, pro- have proof in the pudding in terms of what we're talking about. Yeah. And I think as long as we do that, I think it's continuous engagement with our ELT, continuous engagement with our board, engagement with our senior execs in the organization uh, to make sure they buy in and they continue to contribute. And I think then we're on a good track. Mm. Yep. Yep. Makes perfect sense. Well, Naresh, thank you very much for giving up your time to come back on the show and, and rejoin us. Um, and yeah, wish you all the very best. And, and maybe we'll have to do a, a rerun of this at the uh, end of 24, maybe early 25 to see how you've got on. Sounds good, Carl. Thank you for having me. That's it for this episode of Driven by Data, the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I'll be back next week speaking with another thought leader from the world of data and analytics. Until then, please follow Orbition Group on social media if you've not already done so, where you'll be able to subscribe and therefore be made aware of the podcasts as they arrive. And please share, like, and leave reviews so that more people from our industry get to hear and benefit from these two. If you've got any questions or you want to suggest ideas for topics or potential guests, then please feel free to reach out to me. Thanks for listening and I'll be back next week.